Welcome to Conspiracy Dimensions, everyone. Joining me, as always, are my partners, Ralph and Bevo. This week, we are doing a two-part, uh, first of a two-part episode, possibly three parts. We are doing the UFO and alien topic. So this one's going to take a little while. It's going to take quite a bit. First, I want to start everybody off with the news. Ralph, do you have any headlines for us this week? Yes, of course. I'm going to start with some financial advice. Um, people buy lemons. Lemons? That's, yeah, that's my advice because uh, in England there was an <laughs> auction last week or uh, two weeks ago and they sold a lemon from 1739 for $1,800. What? <laughs> the hell? Oh. How did the lemon still looks okay for the age? It's, it's brownish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. Uh. Oh, yeah. that, that how, did they, how did they date that? Uh, a, a guy uh, used a knife and, and was uh, uh, cutting it into the skin of the lemon. So on the lemon uh, there's written, uh, given to me by Mr. P. Lou Franchini, November 4th, 1739, <laughs> to Miss E. Baxter. Holy shit! Oh, oh so yeah, man, that's my financial advice for for this week. It's yeah, humans will buy anything, yeah. I guess <laughs> so. I'm sure I've got some French fries in between the seats in my car that'll be there in a hundred years, and we could probably sell those. So what, what else happened? Uh, in Germany, there was started a court case last week. A police guy has stolen 180 kilos of, and that's my question. Give me an answer, please. Uh, Cocaine. Let's say marijuana. No. Lemons? It was cheese. Cheese? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's so the, the, a, a truck crashed uh, on on uh, the highway, and this guy, this police guy, has n had nothing better to do than uh, from the crashed truck steal 180 kilograms of cheese. Holy crap! <laughs> How do you come to such an idea? I mean, what, what do you do with so much cheese? I mean, marijuana, I would understand, or whatever, but cheese. Well, I, I wanted to know what he did. What, did he put it in the police car and try to take it home with him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he, he took it into uh, the police car. He uh, opened um, the, the cooling container uh, with a crowbar <laughs> and was carrying the cheese into his police car and yeah, got uh, caught in the act. That is, all, I, yeah, what would possess you to do that? <laughs> okay. And then I read the nice conspiracy theory uh, that uh, Elon Musk's Hyperloop, this um, tunnel company which, builds, uh, which, which built this tunnel under Las Vegas, I think, uh, he, and, uh, this company went bankrupt, and the uh, theory is that he just, built this company as a hawks to uh, tell the U.S. government, don't invest in trains or 
public transportation in a couple of years, Hyperloop will uh, um, uh, be the solution for all your problems. And he did it uh, because as long as there's no working public uh, transportation and train uh, system in the United States, people will buy cars. Oh, that's a dirty trick. But hey, that could be true. I mean, there's a lot of business, you know, that's conducted like that. And compared how uh, with how much money he made through Tesla and how much he lost through Hyperloop, for him, it, it if it was really like this, it worked out perfectly. It works out. So he made way more doing that than he would have with the Hyperloop pro project. Yes, and, and uh, uh, without the Hyperloop, uh, uh, U.S. government, uh, the federal governments would have put more money earlier into train systems. Now they start to build between Los Angeles and San Francisco, but they would have started years ago if they would not uh, be have believed in uh, this Hyperloop thing. Man, that's something else. I'm going to have to check that out, actually. So another thing uh, in uh, China, the women turn to a AI uh, boyfriends. There's a study and they uh, ask young uh, women in China um, what what they prefer, what they want in 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 boyfriends, and most said uh, um, human boyfriends can give me uh, can can us not, cannot give us what we need. Uh, AI boyfriends understand us better. The emotional support is much better than from a human being. You know, I, that's not the first time I've heard this. So I, there are a lot of people. I've seen uh, different documentaries on this where people are turning to AI style relationships. And that's not I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised. I, I've heard this a lot. Yeah, another thing that's and, um, another thing that's surprising there, Ralph, is like with the decades-long um, one-child policy that China had, you know, they were drowning the girls at birth so they could have boys so they could continue on the farm, which means there was any number of blokes that women had to pick from, and that still didn't fix the problem. They're going to AI. That's just bizarre, man. Like, it's easy for a woman to find a man in China. they got a pick of as many as they want. Yeah, but as it looks like they are as disappointing as in the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, man. Is honestly, it's you know we're really, really good with the machines, but we're not really good with human beings. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I can see that. I, yeah, not the first time I heard it, Ralph. Actually, not the first time I heard that. Another news from Germany: um, in a church in Halberstadt, there's an organ playing. Uh, Three six hundred thirty-nine year long piece of music, and it changed the chord last week for the first time in two years. What do you mean? It's an automatic, like a mechanical kind of organ that yes, just keeps and, going. Yes, and there, there's a guy um, who composed this piece of music. And now they play this piece of music once in this church, and it will play for 639 years. Mm. Yeah, want to be Holy a good song. That's all I can say. That's tough, <laughs> doing <laughs> such a thing, no? Yeah. 
Wow. That's pretty wild. I've seen some of the European church organs, man. They are pretty incredible, actually. Imagine having to listen to Taylor Swift for 639 years. I hope it's better than that. <laughs> yeah, hopefully the piece is good, yeah. <laughs> that, that's Listening to Taylor Swift for 639 years, that's like, that's a sentence. That's a punishment. So, Ralph, it changed, it changed a chord, you said? Yes, for the first time in two years. Oh, wow. Huh. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, you, you can go there and visit it like all two, five years, and hopefully you hear a new chord. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty wild, man. I'm going to have to check that out, actually. I'm going to ask you for the link for that one later. And then we talked about the Olympics where doping will be allowed. Uh, yes. There's news. Um, it will be in the summer of 2025, and the event will be called the the Enhanced Games. I can't okay. wait. I can't wait. Awesome. I think it'll be yeah. good. And this was the news so far, and now on with new one. All right. Actually, one question, really quick, Ralph, about the Enhanced Games. Did they say where it's being played? Where they're being held? I have to check. Um, yeah, I'm just curious on where they're going to be. No, no, not not yet. I just got not yet, but they're they're pretty sure it's 2025. <clears throat> mm -hmm. In the summer, they just got to. I don't know okay. how it is. Uh, they have to go somewhere where they don't collide with uh, with the law, I guess. Yeah, well, they just got to find a, a country that's got a really good supply of drugs, and you don't get in trouble for it. <laughs> Russia, it? maybe. <laughs> yeah, and you know what, Bevo? I never thought of that. Where the hell are they going to go that the country is going to allow that? U.S., maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Holy. either deal he can build a ship big enough. Like <laughs> international waters? And in inter <laughs> yeah, and do it in international <laughs> waters. It's not the problem. Like, do a big island where you can do all the stuff. You know, I don't know about the rest of the world, but I know that for a time here in the Americas, there were islands for sale in the Caribbean. I don't know if there are islands for sale anywhere else, but I mean, it's not unlikely that that could happen if that's what he wanted to do. I can't. Wait. I read some oil nation is building an island, like a huge floating uh, artificial island which can travel wherever they want to be. Mm, that's interesting. That's pretty cool. I want to keep up on that, man. I want, I want to check that out. So 2025, and let's see how it goes. And for our show tonight, <clears throat> so as most of our listeners know, we are covering the UFO phenomenon. And to be more specific, because this is such a big topic, <clears throat> what we want to cover tonight is close encounters of the first and second kind. And what those mean are the first kind is something that has been seen at 500 feet or 150 meters away. So something that's visible to the naked eye and fairly easy to identify. So not only lights in the sky, but something that actually looked like a, a physical aircraft. And close encounters of the second kind is going to be a aircraft or something some type of vehicle that has left behind some type of physical evidence so anything that it has come in contact with 
and has affected the area around it, whether that be anything from radar to just touching the ground. So I wanted to t <clears throat> say those first so that everybody knows that what we're going to be touching on tonight are those two particular topics because the rest of them we'll be getting into in another episode. So with that, guys, is there anything you want to start off with? Because there was a couple of things I wanted to run into really fast. Uh, one of them... Well, actually, new one. Was, <coughs> before well, go you, ahead, bud. Before you go on, um, I don't have the list in front of me. I've forgotten what they are. But I think there's like five types of UFI sightings. Do you know what they are? So we could uh, tell the audience... There, um, yeah, there's quite a few, actually. Um, um, go ahead, it's, bro. It's, it's Hynex class classification system. Uh, it's an astronomer, uh, Dr. J. Allen Hynek, who created this. So you've got close encounter, encounters of the first kind. Like you uh, uh, described it already, it's like uh, if you see in UFO within like 500 feet of... of where it's flying or something so uh, uh, witness from a distance so you can say and uh, the close encounter of the second kind is uh, like you said uh, 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 physical effects are involved traces left behind of the UFO and and such things uh, radiation things you can measure and then you've got close encounter encounters of the third kind which is uh, uh, witnesses have direct contact uh, uh, with uh, UFOs or with aliens and, and so on. And then later it got uh, uh, additional subcategories such as uh, Close Encounter 4 and uh, Close Encounter 5. Um, uh, those uh, involve uh, um, abduction experiences and uh, uh, re, uh, repeated uh, abduction, uh, abductions. That's the five uh, different classes. Yeah, so four, four was basically abduction and then five was we're actually talking to them. Um, yeah, and repeated abduction and, and so on. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. That's why I wanted to uh, preface this with saying that because... I'm sure our listeners are going to be like, well, why didn't you cover this? And well, we are going to, we're, we're getting to that, but those, those are the more interesting ones. So for this one, we're going to start off with some of the easy ones. What I wanted to throw out there was a couple of things that are going to be important to know here. One is if anyone is interested in the U S there is something called MUFON. It's a mutual UFO network. You might hear us refer to that from time to time. A lot of information was gathered from them. If you're a UFO enthusiast, they are the largest private company, investigative company in the world. And they show up a lot throughout uh, any type of UFO research. You'll see them constantly. The other thing is, is I wanted to say this because only recently has the United States come out with just a, a couple of tiny little bits of UFO information. And... There was years that we've been talking about this. I mean, we've we've had these stories going back to God knows when, but it never got taken seriously by the U.S. government. And I wanted to now that things are coming out a little bit more, I wanted people to know that they're in the U.S. The UFO topic, as they said, they weren't investigating 
had a higher security clearance than some of our nuclear programs. And there was a group of people where they were called the Majestic 12 or the Magic 12. There was uh, that group was put together to do investigations and handle the subject of UFOs in the United States. What most people don't realize is that the reason they got that name was because the one of the levels above top secret, which is one of the baseline levels of secrecy, is called Majestic. So there are levels above top secret. Majestic was one of them. That one was the one that took care of the UFO phenomenon. So for years, we've talked about UFOs and in the United States, people were ridiculed for it. And it wasn't uh, really, you know, it wasn't taken seriously. And then, you know, right in the middle of the COVID issue, we had the release from the U.S. government that they have video of things that they don't quite understand. So just to give you an idea, that means for the last 70 years, they've been lying to us about this stuff because it turns out they have been tracking this. They knew all about I, it the whole time. And, I just, and I they were well for, aware of it. I, can I just... I think for, whoops, yeah. sorry, Ralph. Can I just roll back a bit here, new one, and perhaps sure. perhaps um, outline the, the evolution, because it leads into what you're talking about, the evolution of um, the U.S., and the the um, bodies or the the projects that they've had. So th there was Project Blue Book, which was active from 1952 to 1969, and that was down at Wright can, Patterson. Can I add something to it? Yes. Okay. Uh, because I I found Project Sign, which started yeah. 1947, yeah, and ended 49, and then Project Grudge. Uh, from 49 to 42 and uh, then yeah you can continue with blue blue book yeah so i was going to get to that but the the <clears throat> oh, okay those earlier Sorry. one Pro project uh blue book is sort of the one that everyone can can relate to um but prior to that in around the war they had that what you was talking about ralph and then that got shut down and then it all got rolled um into project blue book and and how all that came out was there was a freedom of information response back in 87 and it acknowledged uh, get this i mean how many acronyms and uh, uh, thankfully the word the titles have gotten easier over the years but back in uh, 47 there was the interplanetary phenomenon unit of the scientific and technical branch u.s army 1947 um, and that was disbanded in the 50s and then all the information was rolled into blue book in 1952 which was the air force and then that was down at the wright patterson's air force base and as a side note we can probably talk about this but that's where the supposed blue room is and that's where all the stuff is kept like the alien bodies the crafts the debris um and foi requests on that have confirmed that there was actually film of all the contents and it did exist but they destroyed it um but then and so project uh blue book sort of went from 52 to 69 and then in uh may 22 um we had the first congressional hearing um into the ufos and it's now named uaps which is i'd unidentified aerial phenomenon um, instead of UFOs. So they've, they've rebranded. We've all got to go through a rebranding re at some point um, to spice things up a bit. But then, so you have these guys in, 
in the, the, coming out and testifying in front of Congress saying, yeah, okay, we got this, blah, blah, blah. But they only went back and started admitting stuff from, I think it was around 2004 in those hearings. But then you mentioned uh, MUFON, which was the mutual UFO network, um, which was actually founded in 69, so it's been around a while. They um, did a presentation to Congress and presented a slide that had nearly like 20 alleged programs that were involved in, in um, UAP. Um, there was just a few. There was like Project Sign, Project Moondust, Project Saint, Project Aquarius, Project Pounce and Gemini and it just goes on and on and on. So I'll hand back to you one but that, um, that was just a sort of a timeline of where we've gone and basically the government is saying we're only going to acknowledge stuff from 2004 but we've got this big gap from the end of Blue Book right through till present day that they've just been hiding shit and doing shit and this is what the whole kerfuffle's about. Well that's the way I understand it. Would you agree with that new one? Yeah, you know, there's a couple of things I want to throw in there <clears throat> to back up what you were talking about. If anybody looks up uh, when Clinton was in office, when he got elected, he actually was uh, noted as saying, you know, I want to find out about the UFO phenomenon. And you brought up Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Now, that's going to be a big one for the topics because it was there was no... Um, at that time, during the times that we started to retrieve crashes way back in the early 1900s, there was no place to actually uh, take care of this. There was nowhere to store objects and information. So Wright-Patterson Air Force Base became the place. So when Clinton got elected, he put out a request to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base requesting all of the information that they had on UFOs. Now, <clears throat> It wasn't like it wasn't like he was asking to go there. He was just asking about information. What got me was was that <coughs> excuse me, was that they sent his request back and denied it. So to give you an idea of how deep the secrecy is on this and how far down the, the intelligence like community this goes. Somebody told the president of the United States no when he asked about UFOs to an American Air Force base. So who the hell has the authority to do that? So this goes really, really deep. So I wanted to say that there was another one also, uh, Bevo, if you go to, I personally have been to a presentation of MUFONs. And if you go through their records, they talk about when they go to other countries, other countries are very accepting of them, but they said the big three countries that they have the most pushback with was China, Russia, and the United States. Those three countries didn't want to have anything to do with the disclosure and the topic. And one time they sent some people over to Japan and said, hey, guys, we would like to, you know, we, we heard you have some good information on the UFO phenomenon. We'd like to hear about it. And they said, OK, well, they get there and it turns out the guys that they sent to meet them and discuss it with them were pretty high ranking government and military officials. And they were very surprised and they had tons and tons of information. And they said, well, why haven't you guys gone public with this stuff and told everybody we'd love to do it? And they said, because we're constantly getting threatened by military action from your intelligence agencies. So we don't do it. 
Yeah. So that was that was something that was pretty big. So th- this cover up was one of the bigger cover ups we've ever seen. Yeah, and to add to that list, new one, the UK is on that list too. Like the UK, there's a, a thread you can follow there where the there's the um, Secret Service type people equivalents that were that were following all this had a. Um, uh, an office so to speak and it was the famous one where they had a picture of a ufo and a plane all in one and it was it was very big but anyway in these offices where the like the head of this office they actually had pictures of that on the wall etc etc and then one day they came into work and all that stuff was gone and everything had been erased (laughs) so um someone higher than the people that were actually investigating it got hold of it and took it all away but you're, you're right it, there is cover up after cover up and you know it goes back a long way i mean that majestic 12 that you talked about um that was started by president truman um you know and the other thing is that there was the creation of the air intelligence service squadron uh, which is all hush hush as well and that was believed to be started by the u.s air force to to carry on from the blue book so that was sort of the entity that took over from blue book to you know the the early 2000s and then all those others that i listed but that u.s um uh, well they call it the air in intelligence service squadron that was believed to be the uh, think of the movie men in black they would be sent whenever there was a sighting or a crash or what was thought to be a crash etc etc these guys get loaded up on planes and it was all on un- it was all covert they would go to washington they would get on civilian planes they would turn up at these places and they would remove stuff catalog it um hush the media yada 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 so they've been doing this for you know 40 50 60 70 years from what i can work out it's crazy yeah, and I think one of the things that, as you said, the rebranding, I think that helps to shuffle the information around a little bit so it doesn't look like them, if, if they ever had a, a like a full disclosure, it doesn't look like them saying, yes, we've been lying to you for the last 70 years, we've been investigating the hell out of this. And on top of it, you always get, you know, bit, <laughs> the issues... <laughs> you have with uh, any type of conspiracy phenomenon like this any of these stories is people don't like to be wrong so you have people that out there that have been claiming that they've been seeing ufos or have had contact or whatever the case might be or were witnesses to an event and they would go around telling everybody and the government launched a full campaign to belittle these people and now all of a sudden it turns out these things were real and everyone who you know made fun of them you know they went right back to them and said well ha in your face here it is and they said well we don't want to talk about it now nobody you know nobody likes that kind of argument it it put up i mean as far as a you know disinformation psyop on on their end it really did a great job because it tore the country in half with believers and non-believers and made people look crazy and you know like what we would call conspiracy theorists nuts you know so but now here it comes to the point where we're not going to be able to hide this anymore and there's way too much activity so it's starting to come out now and i think it's good that we're actually starting to get to a point where we can actually talk about it without people thinking that you're nuts yeah um yeah, I, I, there was one other sorry, thing while I, we're here. I, I'd like to tell our listeners, if you ever are looking into Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, the place that was originally uh, stuff like crashes and things was taken to 
was a place called Hangar 18. And so Hangar 18 was the place where all, when these, when a, when a craft would actually go down, there was, we had for the Air Force, when we were test flying airplanes, we would have crews that were recovery crews. And <clears throat> they would go out, if, if a test aircraft crashed, they would go out and clean up the area because they didn't want any sensitive technology that was on the craft to be recovered by somebody other than military forces. The thing is, they started getting calls of crashes, also of things that weren't allegedly weren't ours. And Hangar 18 became the place and Wright-Patterson became the place that everything was brought to. So if anybody's interested, look up Hangar 18. And again, we get into, did it really exist? Well, <laughs> you tell us, man. I mean, it's enough to have a name and a location. I don't know what a lot of people that were actually eyewitnesses and people that worked there coming forward and talking about it because, it, you know, these guys are getting to the end of their days. So they want to let everyone know. Yeah, what I find interesting, you one, is, you know, was back in 22 when we heard the first um, Congress thing, and there was some fairly, um, really radical admissions by the government of this stuff existing and et cetera, et cetera. I just can't understand how it hasn't gained more legs. It, I mean, it's it's it can change everything about how we view ourselves how we view the um the world the universe and and all this stuff and it just seems to have gone over like and nobody sort of cares or picked up on it it hasn't really gained the momentum i thought it would and i i take i, I think that comes back to the mainstream media being told to hush it down a bit i mean you look at the guy what was his name uh lou Lou El Elizondo. Elizondo. Yeah. Now, he was in the Pentagon's Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. God damn acronyms. The AATIP. AATIP, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he got to the point where he's like, this is bullshit, and he quit. And now he's gone. He's actually – I think he's working for MUFON um, actually now. So here's a guy that has this uh, secret – clearance level out your wazoo and he's like nah this is this is just bullshit what you guys are doing and what you're suppressing and yada 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 and, and has actually quit and and is, he's another one that's bringing out all the information um that he's that he can that he's allowed to and, and steering people in directions for their own um um investigations i guess to try and uncover it so that he doesn't get in the shit but um, when you've got guys like that that are at the top of the tree with these huge, um, with these number one security clearances and etc., quitting and coming out and saying something, I mean that's got to to me that's got to give what we've all believed for a long, long time um, credibility. It, yeah, it, it, insanity. I, you know, I I will say I was I was starting to laugh when you talked about this and you said you're you're surprised it didn't get more it didn't make a bigger impact. And I saw a joke where somebody said it was 2020 when we had the COVID crisis and, you know, shortly after that, and it was going on and somebody made a joke and said, uh, 2020 sucks so bad that the government admitted there's UFOs and no one gives a shit. <laughs> like everything else was such a wreck at that time. And honestly, I think if you want to make sure everybody doesn't flip out, <clears throat> that's a real good way to do it is do it when there's so much other garbage going on that it's kind of hard to concentrate on. And like you said, they didn't make a big deal about it. 
But on the other side of it, if you notice, with all the different types of releases that they've made, the one thing that they've never actually, you know, t uh, like officially admitted was anything retrieved. So we, they've talked about, you know, different uh, sightings and radar things and videos and all this other stuff. And but we actually haven't had uh, an actual disclosure of anything retrieved. And well, <clears throat> I think well, possibly for that reason is or the reason being that <clears throat> trying to reverse engineer that type of technology could really put you very far advanced against the rest of the world in a military capacity well so you well, wouldn't want to release that to everybody and say yeah we have a ship because then everybody's going to know you have it and then say well what the hell is it we want to see it too well so i, I what, saw the i well, thought about this as well um i i think if i'm a government and i see that oh there are others who are so technolo technologically advanced uh, 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 compared to us um, that we can, there's no solution to this threat. So I don't spread panic and say like, yeah, there are some people, aliens, whatever, they can wipe us out if they want. And probably the only reason they don't do it because we are no threat to them. It's like we don't kill every aunt on the way because they are no uh, a threat to us. Yeah, right. we're just uh, right. we're, we're in a petri dish, mate, and they're just looking back as an experiment. But there is sort of new one. There is sort of um, a confirmation that they have stuff, and that was when I talked about earlier in the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. There's allegedly, or there was, um, you know, allegedly video, and there was actual documentation that got released under FOI, Freedom of Information, that confirmed that there was a film of the contents but the film was destroyed. So oh, in, in, a round, okay. in a roundabout way, I mean, and that's verifiable. Like you can, go and look, yeah. you can go and look at that document. Like they confirmed that there was the room and there was stuff in it and there was video. Or show us the video. Oh, actually, that was destroyed. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and one, one thing that the government is, is just a classic government playbook um, with all these congressional hearings, etc., that's going on, and what the government does is they compartmentalise or they silo departments so one left doesn't talk to the right. And if you look at any of these congressional hearings and the questioning, they get to a certain point where it starts to get juicy and then the guy being interviewed goes, well, I don't know. I don't have that information. Yeah. And so they, they deliberately silo stuff so that you break the, you know, you can't join the dots anymore. You break the flow of information. And they come yeah, out and say, absolutely. well, I don't have that. And they're under oath and they go, well, we don't have that. Are you sure you're under oath? Yeah, I'm under oath. I'm telling the truth. I don't have that information. So I, maybe that was one of the roadblocks as to why this thing didn't really blow up because they couldn't get sort of like one person in there and go, tell us the story because they don't yeah, have everyone. They don't the have. Story. Yeah, there is going to be very, as you say, top of the tree, there's going to be very few people top of the tree that are going to be able to know the whole story so and your chances are you're never going to know who they are yeah. so yeah that that's one thing you're going to run into is a guy can only tell you so much as to what he did but then again like as you said it just stops right there so you have one guy that works on materials one guy that works on propulsion you know different things but they only have so much themselves 
and and that's government playbook 101 to keep stuff secret from the um the population um but there is somebody and we don't know who that is yeah there there is somebody or a group maybe it's the magnificent 12 or whatever it is that are probably all mostly dead by now but it would have been passed on there is a group of people somewhere that have got all the bits and pieces there has to be there's got to be someone managing the whole program we just haven't been able to get those people on the just stand. don't know who it is yeah, yeah. and it might be very difficult or take a long time to figure out who that actually is. So, you know what, guys? Actually, I have a couple of examples that are pretty mainstream and people have heard about, but I'm just going to blast through them really quick because to tell awesome. you the truth, I'd like to hear about some of yours. Mm -hmm. So, now that we have that put out, <clears throat> there was a couple that I pulled in 1952 from July 12th to July 29th. We had flybys over washington dc day after day and these were close encounters of the first and second kind because they alerted different radar systems they sent up fighters to intercept them and these things would just fly away and kind of toy with them and people saw them and newspapers ran like crazy that week with articles over and over and they called it the tidal wave of ufo reports so yeah we had them literally over the capitol over washington dc over the u.s capitol just flying around doing their thing so that was from the 50s we had another one that was interesting that i thought was kind of cool was a bunch of them and this seems to be a uh, consistent story a bunch of them in montana we have icm nuclear missiles out there intercontinental missiles and they all have their own independent silo that they operate out of but there was a time where they were getting flybys i guess you could say of ufos and the ufos would shut down multiple silos at once but they're all independent from each other. So there was one time in 67 where 10 silos went down all at the same time. And that's a real big deal when you're talking about national security to have 10 you know, nuclear missile silos shut off at the same time. And they have all of the different uh, base commanders and everybody that was in charge saying, this isn't the first time this has happened and we have to restart these things pretty often. And it, they said that at the time they interviewed the guys that were working there. There was 120 different servicemen that witnessed UFOs that were actually shutting down American nuclear missiles at the time. And one of the more famous ones that I pulled because I think everybody's heard of it was Rendlesham Forest. And that was uh, really cool because there was a little more physical evidence to that. That was a uh, Air Force base that at one time Britain was using it. And then the U.S. had it at the, the time that the incident happened. And in 1980, they had a bunch of uh, incidents where these crafts seemed to break tree branches on the way in. And they left imprints on the ground that had high radiation levels. They came back night after night. They tried to record them. They used... Uh, these things called LIDALs, which is actually just like a cart with a real tall light at the top of it that floods the entire area in every direction. And it would shut the it would shut them off. So it was technologically inter intervening, you know, and it, it was leaving um, different forms of uh, what would you call it, like um, interference on the recording devices. So and what got me <laughs> what got me was here. Here's how you know that the, that 
the Air Force was full of crap when they were saying we don't investigate this kind of stuff. They said because it's not a threat to national security. And they said the reason being was that, you know, all of the guys on this base night after night, it was something uh, along the lines of a mass hallucination. So here's the thing. Either a UFO coming into a high level Air Force base that's, you know, a heavy weapons base and in- infiltrating that airspace. If you don't think that is an issue of national security, I will say that every guy on the base who's protecting this this facility having a mass hallucination all at once, I would say that's an issue of national security also. So one of those is uh, one of those isn't true, I would say. But those are the ones that I had, and those were some of the ones from the U.S. I'd like to hear about your guys' stuff, actually. And I know, Ralph, you had a couple that you wanted to bring up, too. Yeah, you started with this uh, black triangle UFO phenomenons, which uh, are seen. Uh, where was it in in uh, Rendlesham? Rendlesham Forest. Forest, yeah. And I checked about this and uh, those black triangles, which uh, were uh, seen there, and not only by military uh, police guys, which were on uh, tour uh, that night. Uh, uh, described them, saw them as well. You've you've had all over the region more than uh, thousand uh, independent uh, witnesses. This is really hard to debunk, if not impossible to debunk. And then I checked; those kind of U- UFOs are seen uh, since the 1940s, and in total in in 25 countries all over the world they saw these sh- uh, uh, shapes on on the sky those are the black triangles yes they've got those three uh, lights and in the middle a red light and they are shaped like uh, uh, triangles and uh, in belgium there was a, a huge uh, uh, ufo wave wave where they saw those as well in uh, 89 and 1990 and uh, the same type of craft huh yes and the head of the belgium air force back then could not explain this and then asked the u.s uh, are you testing some stealth bombers or so because the b2 looks very has this triangle shape so and and the uh, US Air Force said no no we are not testing at the moment so this guy did not know what to do and his government uh, asked questions he said like all i can do is being transparent and he showed all the video recordings of his air force all the uh, radio messages they recorded everything just to the press and then the uh, one of the press guys asked like yeah, but uh, w- what is your conclusion? And and he said, I don't have a conclusion. It can be everything. Huh. Huh. And this is the head of the of the Belgian head Air Force. It's the, not head of the Air Force. And on top yeah. of it, he went to the press with it. I'm pretty impressed with that, actually. Yeah, because he could not come up with a with a story which made sense and uh, not to look like a liar or like an idiot. Yeah. He gave the actual. Said like, I give you all the information I've got. Do whatever you want with it. And this is one of the most fascinating uh, UFO stories I, I came across when I did research for this uh, week's show. 
it's it's so fascinating because you've got the sightings for decades in 25 uh, uh, countries all over the world. Yeah. That is amazing. I'm 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 still impressed with that guy actually going to the news media and giving them all the information. That is something else. And you can uh, watch the press conference on um, YouTube. Just uh, Google for Belgium UFO wave and press conference uh, head of Air Force should be enough. That is cool. And then Bebo, was- you got any fun ones for us? Well, I don't know if they're fun, but I'm sort of more about trying to find the admission um, from government about some of the sightings and the interactions. Um, And there's a couple of really well-known ones, like the Gimbal video and the Fleur 1 video. Um, So the Gimbal video was taken by uh, naval pilots from the Theodore Roosevelt. That's an aircraft carrier in 2015, I think it was. And the Fleur video was taken um, from the... um, USS Nimitz, the pilots from that, I think. So both of both of these were from um, aircraft carriers, um, and the Fleur video, and that was in two thousand and four. And so it's just basically videos that the pilots have taken and the interactions they've had with those um, UAPs or UFOs. Um, if you're old school like me, um, and the governments actually came out and said, "Yeah, this is all." above board this is legit stuff it's not made up and we don't know what it was so you know there's and then there's the latest stuff uh what was the ship that just recorded they were doing exercises uh, just out of mental blank you might be able to help me the ships that just were involved and they were surrounded at times by like a dozen or so um uaps and and they were getting these uaps were um, going in and out of radar contact and it wasn't just radar there's you know several systems on a ship so it was coming up on say the infrared system and then the normal radar system and it wasn't just one ship it was multiple ships seeing these contacts and these contacts were doing things that couldn't be explained with our conventional um, propulsion and that is you know going up and down 80,000 feet in split seconds doing right-hand turns when they're going, you know, extremely quick and then just disappearing into the ocean. Like, just, you can actually hear uh, the term they use is splash, splash, splash. And that was the operator that's viewing this real-time on the um, radar screens. And he's tracking this and then it just, uh, not the radar screen, sorry, like the infrared, there was actual uh, vision of it. Um this this object whatever it was darting all over the place and then it was just hovering there and then it just disappeared into the water and you can hear him say splash 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 which is whatever it was is now in the water that's the term they use and i believe they even sent submarines to that and they couldn't find anything so there's all this stuff that the u.s government has come out with and (coughs) whether it's been leaked i guess it was leaked originally they've had no choice but to to verify and say it was true and admit that they don't know what's going on um but do they that's the question you know so there are a couple and that's, of the ones. The, that's the other thing is that if if it is something that is that um you know how do you how do you tell your country you know we're here to protect you and these things are so far beyond our technological range that there's nothing we can do about it 
I mean, now you've just, you know, driven panic into the public. So, yeah. The only they're, they're thing you can say is uh, something like, yeah, but don't worry. We are no threat to them because we are too stupid. So <laughs> they won't attack us. <laughs> <laughs> that might actually work. <laughs> is it is it possible that Biden is letting all the people across on the southern border because he knows what's coming? Like, what's the point of checking people's passports when you've just got people coming from outer space doing whatever they want coming in? I mean, do they get checked? Where's their border crossing? So maybe that's what's happening. They've just thrown you know there and- is there is a story from the U.S. Bevel that you might find interesting, and I believe it was Truman, where they uh, debriefed him when he became president on the UFO topic, and they said it was something like two and a half hours before he was able to interact with anybody again because of how big this subject was. So if you have no idea what's going on, and all of a sudden somebody comes to you and goes, oh yeah, hey, by the way, there's UFOs and aliens from other planets, other dimensions, all different types of life you have no idea about. They're here, they've been here, they're all over the place. (laughs) You know, all of this stuff is true. I mean, that is like a head bomb right there. So, yeah, you wouldn't be able to release that to everybody, but I think that slow, uh, slow kind of leak is what we're seeing now. I don't think we're going to see anything like a full disclosure or a first contact scenario in our lifetimes, but I think we're seeing the beginnings of it now. Yeah, I see. I think the same, and I think there's some pressure because of AI. Because what I read, um, there are companies working on software which uh, can add words to the black uh, uh, um, black places in in documents the government releases. Oh shit! <laughs> really? That yeah, would so be they can something else. Out, yeah, they can black out whatever they want in a couple of years. You've got an AI which can read the document and tells you what what is blacked out. You know, Ralph, in our really? next episode, I, w- I was going to bring up Roswell and uh, that, you know, that's one of the more famous cases here in the U.S. But there was the I can't remember his name. I think it was Mar- Marcella or Marcel. It was uh, one of the guys that was there, the weather balloon guy. And he was first uh, there to be put on the scene to, you know, take care of everything. And there was a few photos of him that were very famous looking at different material. And there was one where he was bending down and he had a letter in his hand. And at that time, it wasn't that big a deal because the technology of the photo was terrible and the newspapers ran it. The resolution was horrible. But somebody came up in the modern day to be able to fine tune the pixels on it. And it showed a few lines of the letter where it talks about retrieving a craft and bodies out of the wreckage of Roswell. So <laughs> I would love to see an AI that could that could de-black a FOIA document. That would be friggin' amazing, man. And you know what else, Ralph? I have also heard a couple of stories about, this is on a personal level, but uh, people that have lived by Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada, they used to see those same black triangles. And at some point, they were seeing them that they were able to the triangle itself is only two parts of the triangle that they were seeing 
it was able to fold itself into a flat, straight piece. So in midair or in mid-hover, it was able to change its shape for whatever reason. Those black triangles are something we need to keep an eye on. That, that's definitely one of the more impressive crafts that we've seen recently. Um, yeah, I, those, those, sorry, mate. I just, it just came back to me, um, the, that one I was talking about where they had, you know, the, the naval ships being swarmed off San Diego. It was the Omaha um, that they released the infrared videos etc from um one thing that i can't can't work out is does anyone do you do you guys know who Jer, uh what's his name jeremy corbell do you know that guy is a filmmaker um i don't think so yeah you can go, google jeremy corbell he seems to have become a lot of the research i've been doing he seems to be have come one of the main let's call him whistleblower um you know getting all this information out there and seems to have the trust of high-ranking government officials and the the um, secret service whatever you want to call them quite type people that are investigating all this stuff and he seems to by proxy be the mouthpiece for disseminating this information and i'm like so how does the u.s government get itself into a position where the one of the trusted confidants that's getting this information out there is a filmmaker i'm like mm, that really doesn't make much sense to me and then my mind gets drawn back to um you know pictures of the moon how we do, how we um, talked about that and you know again there was links between a filmmaker and what the u.s government had done etc etc so i'm starting to think maybe is it just the same playbook and there's some correlation that we can draw here. Um, I think it's a whole rabbit hole that you could go down and try and get to the bottom of. But yeah, interesting. Very well could be. There were, you know, one of the theories that I had had, and if anyone has ever looked this up, the War of the Worlds with, I think Orson Welles was his name, was a radio broadcaster. Yeah. And that he wanted to make a, um, a show on the radio that was so real that people would believe it. So they did the War of the Worlds. And it was so real that people freaked out. And he lost his license because of it. The thing is, I think that also is what got every government on the idea of, holy shit, we can't ever have a situation where the public all finds out about this at the same time because it creates pandemonium everywhere. So... I believe that that's why we've had so much of the UFO, uh, t you know, stories in everything in Hollywood and, and television, movies, books, that they're actually getting us used to it so that in the event there is a situation that people won't go absolutely nuts. And you'll see small things that are leaked out like that. Like, you know, first, you don't. You have a, a situation where if pilots run into them, they lose their pilot's licenses because they don't need somebody who's as trusted as a pilot to <laughs> go around telling everybody. And I I'm mean, sorry, you Ralph. would not fly with, with a pilot who says, like, yeah, I see them regularly, right. uh, those UFOs. But no problem, I always... Uh, 
brought all my passengers back home safe. But you're seeing, you know, weird objects in the sky. And, you know, also there were uh, there was a couple of different places in the U.S. Uh, one of them was, uh, for whatever reason, in the uh, um, upper part of the more rural areas in the state of New York, where the fire department actually had in their training manuals a section on how to deal with a UFO uh, crash. And the reason why was because if you saw something crash out of the sky, your first reaction would be it was an airplane. If you dialed 911, the first people that would respond to it would usually be the fire department, emergency services. So they actually put a, a clauses in there telling these guys, look, if you show up and it's something that you're not familiar with, we have the right to quarantine you for an indefinite amount of time because we're letting you know now this is a possibility, but it was a small way of doing it, you know? So as you said, I think it's getting out there. And when you start drawing the, the dots, you know, connecting the dots in Hollywood, there was a, a line where remember our president, Ronald Reagan had a, a big uh, Hollywood footprint. He was in Hollywood for a very long time. And when he was at the original screening of Close Encounters of the Third Kind, he was noted by leaving and saying to a friend of his, I wonder how many people in this audience know how much of this film is accurate. Because <laughs> what he was saying was a lot of this was real, but no one is, knows about this stuff. It was just to them. It was just a sci-fi film. You yeah. know, I, I'm, I'm sort of thinking the Jeremy Corbell link um, where he seems to be the guy that's the mouthpiece. He's all over the place talking about it and interviewing people and, and you know, releasing these videos that got given to him that have been confirmed by the US government, et cetera, et cetera. I just can't help but think, you know, he's been appointed that by proxy by the government because he can package it up in a way as to not maybe um, spook the population or there's a narrative that they are uh, they are slowly building to um, make us believe X when really Y is happening. Um, so I, I just, it, to me, it's just uncanny that there's this conduit um, from Hollywood to uh, on this whole big release of stuff since 2017 when we had the congressional, uh, 22 when we had the congressional um, meeting. And I think back to, you know, the pictures coming from the moon. It was the same deal. Um, so what is and what isn't, who knows? But I think it will come out and it'll come out all of a sudden. Hey, it's. Uh, but one thing I picked up on there, new one, what you said, I mean, a conspiracy theorist might say that this could be a, a weapon used against the people to actually... Um, quarantine them or lock them down. Imagine if they came out. Well, we seen what they did with COVID. So imagine this is this is off the wall, and I've just thought about it. So, um, but imagine if they said, "Oh, this city A has been visited by aliens, and now we have to quarantine the whole city because it's a threat to humanity." And they lock down the whole city, and then it, then there's another city, and then another city. I mean. Uh, that, that sounds like the good basis for a movie, yeah. 
Yeah, actually, and uh, part of that, if you'd want to go a little bit deeper into that, and some of our listeners look uh, looking for that kind of information, there is Project Bluebeam. Project Bluebeam is the same thought process that you were just talking about with a false alien invasion to get the public to do something that they would need the public to do. But um, that that is very plausible, and you're not the first person to bring that up. Yeah. So it could happen. But that's what I have for this week, and that was Close Encounters 1 and 2. We kind of scratched on a couple of the different sightings and a couple with a little bit of physical evidence. But next week, I can't wait to get into because 3 and 4 are the really crazy stories. Yeah, that's so going to be some that's fun. The one, those are going to be the good ones, and I'm glad everybody got the uh, precursor mm. to that. So that's mm. all I have if you guys are good. Yeah, I'm good. I mean, I think this week was just about sort of trying to give a basic out outline of where we're at and you know a few different examples but where we're at in the in the story of ufos or uaps whichever you want to call them and and what's happening in the real world about the suppression of all the information and now it's coming out in congress and congress are on the on the hunt and you know i think there's going to be a lot of information uh finally break through in the next few years so it'll be interesting space to watch but i don't have anything else at this point ralph do you have anything else no, um, I, I just can add that uh, UFO sightings are not the thing of the modern age. They go back till uh, 13,000 BCE. Uh, there's a cave in France where they found paintings on the wall where you can uh, see UFOs. Yeah, I think like even the Egyptians, didn't, didn't there something from that era as well where... There's people that don't look human in their paintings and stuff. I mean, that's it's not just one civilization. There's the Mayans as well. Maybe there's some stuff in there, in their recordings that show or could be you could join the dots to um, aliens. Um, yeah, and in in the 1560s, in, all over Europe there were UFO sightings uh, and. Uh, in early newspapers and in in chronics of cities they are mentioned yeah and i guess one thing i'd like to probably add to leave the audience to to try and ponder people say well how the hell do we get from a to b well think about quantum entanglement if you break apart those two particles and you then take that particle and put it 13 and a half billion light years on one side of the universe and then put the other particle on the other way for 13 and a half billion years and you move one of them the other one moves in unison so they're connected and they can they can become together again in a heartbeat so maybe that's the answer quantum entanglement who knows anyway thanks for listening everybody um, as always, we appreciate that your time is valuable and really hope that uh, we're lucky enough to see you guys here again uh, next week. Um, that's it from me and the, the boys. So uh, thanks for coming and bye for now.